are listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. we got a good Wednesday show for you. We're going to go over the internet issues I was having yesterday. Dancing with the Stars premiered last night. We will break that down tonight. Season 45 of Survivor underway. 90-minute episodes. It's the first time in the history of the show that every episode of the season will be 90 minutes. The Writers Guild strike is over. We're going to read exactly what they settled on. And we're going to end it with a little journalism talk because I thought Dave Neal did an excellent job yesterday of kind of explaining how things should be covered uh, when dealing with things in this franchise. We'll get to all that momentarily. This podcast is brought to you by Way. Sometimes small daily actions make a big difference. And when it comes to caring for your hair, a little goes a long way. Get on your way to healthier hair one day at a time with shampoos and conditioners that are just your type. Go to theway.com. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Promo code REALITYSTEVE for 15% off your entire purchase. That's theway.com. T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Promo code REALITYSTEVE. Let's get started with, gosh, what I had to deal with yesterday. Last night, after I recorded both podcasts, excuse me, the night before, Monday night, after I recorded both podcasts, when I went to upload it to Simplecast, who is who I upload my podcast to, I just noticed that my internet was down. Nothing was working. Plugged everything in and out, was checking the connection, just no connection. I'm like, okay. And when I went on Spectrum, which has my internet service, it said there's an outage in the area. Okay, usually that happens. It's out for whatever, 30 minutes, an hour. I wake up, and it's still, I was just like, well, I'll just upload them in the morning. I wake up a little bit earlier, upload them in the morning. I wake up, and it's still out, and I'm trying everything. I'm like, what is going on here? Because usually when your internet is out at your home, if you go to your router, you'll notice like a yellow light or a red light or a flashing light. Like when everything's working, I've got two blue lights on my router. And I go to my router and I'm looking at two blue lights. Nothing's flashing. Nothing's red. Nothing's off. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? So I ended up calling Spectrum and they're just like, oh, let me just reset it from our end. And then like it worked in two seconds. (laughs) So... That's what I dealt with yesterday with my internet. Well, when they reset it, something happened with my wireless printer. And my printer wasn't being recognized by my desktop computer. And when I tell you it took forever to fix this, it took forever to fix this. It was literally three hours. And I was on the phone with HP for three hours. They were calling me. I was calling them back. They would... they did that thing where I screen shared my desktop and they were going over everything with me. They were running all these tests on my computer and they just could not figure out why my computer wasn't syncing up with my wireless printer. They had me go over to the wireless printer. I'm pressing, you know, set up network connection. It was connected to the Wi-Fi in my house. I put in my password three different times they had me do that. I'm, and I'm telling them, I'm getting really frustrated at this point. I'm telling them, I said, this is the third time you've had me do this. And every time I do this, it says connection worked, you know, network connection established. Here's your info. I read it back to you. And then you go on my computer as you're sharing my screen with me. 
and you say add printer and it said searching for printer and nothing would come up. It just wouldn't find it. And then I don't know what they did, but it ended up working. But it took three hours. It was ridiculous. So that was my day yesterday. It was very, very frustrating to say the least. But my printer's working and I can print stuff out now. So I'm happy. Now, you know that most of the time on Daily Roundup, we'll always start with any sort of Bachelor news that I have. Did not have any Bachelor news yesterday. Don't have any today. I've just got nothing going on on Joey's season just yet. You had her his first one-on-one day of the season with Daisy Kent, which happened on Friday. Put that video out, and I know where Saturday's date or what they did for Saturday's date, but there was a group date on Monday. Don't know where it was or, or it, the location was in the email, but I don't know what happened or who was on it or, or what they did. Yesterday was a one-on-one date. I don't know who was on it. Today is another group date where the public is invited, but clearly this is the third group date where the public is invited and nothing has gotten out. So they are being obviously very strict with the people in attendance and basically telling them no phones, because if they were fine with phones, (laughs) these people would be posting stuff or sending stuff out and they aren't. So nothing I can do about that. I don't control the show. I just will eventually, you know, I say this every season and I know people doubt me, but I'm eventually going to get your spoilers. I know you want to have them three seconds after things happen. I understand that. But every single season, I tell you the same thing. And every single season, you eventually get your spoilers. I understand the impatience. And I take it as a compliment because you come to me for it. And when I don't get it, you get mad. And every season, I tell you the same thing. Just be patient. You'll get it. I don't know when, though. You might get it. You might get what all happened in the first two weeks in a week from now. You might not get it until the whole season's done filming. I don't know. But you will get it. I do know that. I've been doing this for, let's see, 2009. It's going to be 2024 when the season airs. It's going to be 15 years I've been doing this, spoiler-wise. And you've gotten your spoilers every time. Now, the amount of spoilers varies from season to season. Sometimes you get episode-by-episode, rose-ceremony-by-rose-ceremony stuff. You'll have every single date. And sometimes we have your final four, and we kind of work backwards from there. But... To me, I think you can agree. If I told you I've got everything from episodes one and two, and then the season is done filming, and I'm like, but I got nothing from Final Four. I don't even know who your Final Four is or where they are or who won. You'd be like, great, Steve. We don't care you have episodes one and two. That's what I mean. It's like it's very fickle because if I only have the ending to the season and I tell you, it's like, where's all the other stuff you get? It's just like (laughs) kind of throw your hands up in the air. Like I said, very thankless job. Very thankless job, but I get you what I can, and that's what I'm going to try and do, and hopefully we'll get stuff soon. So just keep it right here. I never know when it's coming, but just keep it right here, and I'll let you know uh, when we get some information. Now, last night, Dancing with the Stars, the premiere episode, and first season, well, not the first season without Len. He took a season off, um, I think, during COVID. But, you know, very nice tribute to Len at the beginning of the show. We had 14 celebrities appear. We have new hosts this season with Alfonso Ribeiro and Julianne Huff. Look, Alfonso has hosted many shows in his life. With that said, Alfonso is basically the definition of a dad joke host. I mean, he's just he's very corny. That's who he is. But he fits perfect for this show. You don't need to be edgy. You don't need to be saying stuff that's controversial as the host of Dancing with the Stars. But is he corny? Yes. 
Is everything out of his mouth a dad joke? Yes. <laughs> but that's what you get with him. You know what you're getting with Alfonso Ribeiro. He's making the show flow. That's all he needs to do. As for Julianne, yeah, she had a few stumbles last night, and she needs to work on her hosting, but she'll get better as the season goes on. I don't watch this show for the hosts. Now, I think the hosts can distract and detract from the show, as I think Tyra Banks did, because she made it more about herself. At least Julianne is trying back there. She's asking the backstage questions. She fumbled some words a couple times, but look, I don't care. I'm not watching Dance with the Stars for the hosts. Tom Bergeron was the best. He let the show flow. He never made it about himself. And I don't think Alfonso is going to make it about himself. And, I, yeah, he's trying to, you know, he's trying to incorporate some smoothness and trying to be funny here and there. It's funny if you're, you know, 60 years old. That's who Alfonso is pandering towards. He's not pandering towards a younger crowd. Put it that way. But let's, um, let's, go, over these, uh, let's go over some of the things that happened last night in a moment. So let's talk about another sponsor for today's podcast, and that's DoorDash. DoorDash is the convenience of getting what you want right to your door. With DoorDash grocery delivery, you can stock up for the week or order last-minute cravings conveniently. You've trusted DoorDash in the past with restaurants. Now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered or they'll make it right. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you picked them yourself. And you can get $0 delivery fee on all eligible orders with a Dash Pass membership. Easy substitutions right in the app and best in-class customer support. DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. And what I mentioned at the beginning Last-minute cravings, I cannot tell you how many times I've just been watching TV late at night. I've got nothing in the fridge. I've got nothing in the pantry, but I've got a DoorDash app on my phone, and it's just, boom, convenient. Get it within, assuming the store is, that I'm ordering from is close. You know, I'm getting it within 10 or 15 minutes, and this is ordering after 10 o'clock at night. So, it's so convenient, and right now you're going to get 50% off your DoorDash order up to $20 value when you use code REALITYSTEVE at checkout. Limited time offer, terms apply. That's 50% off up to a $20 no minimum subtotal and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code REALITYSTEVE. That's promo code REALITYSTEVE for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. This podcast also brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Go to greenchef.com slash realitysteve50. Use code realitysteve50. Get 50% off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash realitysteve50. Use code realitysteve50 to get 50% off plus free shipping. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. All right, let's get to some of these scores and what kind of happened last night. I don't want to go over all 14 dancers and break down what they did. What we do know, though, is the top scorer of the night was, wasn't it Charity? Yeah, it was Charity. She got 22 out of 30 points. She got an 8 and two sevens. She probably was the best dancer of the night. I don't disagree with it. Ariana and J Ariana Maddox and Jason Mraz were second at 21 points. No one else even had 20. 19 was the next, and that's Lele Pons. So you know when you watch this show what you're getting, and you pretty much know literally after the first dance who's making it to the end. You can pencil in charity for the final three. It's going to happen. 
you know, first off, the Bachelorette history on the show is just outstanding. They all do well. And Charity is no different. She's probably the early favorite. And just because she got the highest score, I'm not just saying that because of the highest score. You can just tell. Charity has a cheer background. And I kind of went over this with Cheryl Burke. And I just say, look, you don't have to have any ballroom dancing training. But if you have danced in the past or were part of a dance team, whether it was cheer or not, you automatically have it ingrained in you that you look good when you're moving. You don't seem stiff. And you watch Charity out there, and she's not stiff. When you watch Matt Walsh out there clanking around, he's just, like, counting the steps in his head. And, you know, good effort for him. I appreciate him trying and going on the show. But there's no I, – I guess that's what I talk about when – is that what Cheryl's talking about with musicality? Because I'm just telling you, Charity's got it. Harry Jousey does not have it at all, you know, and – that's okay. It's he's not not everybody has musicality. Not everybody has rhythm. Harry's trying, but his moves are very stiff. Now, it could just be a week one thing. Maybe he will loosen up, but that's not easy to do. Just all of a sudden be loose when you dance when you've never danced in your life. So, you know Charity's going far. You know Ariana's going far. You know Jason Mraz is going far. You know Lele's going far. I thought Mira Sorvino did really well as too. Um what else did I see out there? I thought, um, what's his face? I thought it was very interesting that all they could talk about when they interviewed Adrian Peterson in his intro package and then after the dance was the new child that he has and what a great dad he is. And it's just like, um, has anybody ever Googled Adrian Peterson in his past? Come on, people. Let's not, like, just completely overlook this, you know? Um I don't think Harry has a lot of musicality. He really doesn't. Um, Sochi Gomez, she was okay to start out. She'll probably be middle of the pack. Uh, Allison Hannigan was very awkward out there. Tyson Beck Beckford, uh, as good-looking as a man as he is, not very uh, – doesn't have a lot of musicality uh, as well. Jamie Lynn Spears is one that I think people are going to keep around because of her interesting story. And look – I think people want to see Britney show up at the show. I don't think Britney will, but I think people want to see it. Mauricio Omansky was in the bottom two. Doesn't necessarily mean he was second to last in votes, but he was in the bottom two with Matt. He's not going to be around long. And Barry Williams is the older participant who looked good out there and probably will last the longest of the older people in the cast. But... I'm saying, like, you, you know, your next few gone are probably going to be Mauricio and Allison and Tyson. And, I, you know, those are probably your next three or four that are going home. But uh, Charity was excellent. And she's probably, I don't know, I want to say she's probably going to win because she does have some competition. I, after one episode, I think that this is going to be, and it's not because they were the top two scorers, but. I, you know, you can immediately eliminate about six to eight people from the show that you know just aren't going to win. Tyson Beckford, not winning. Allison Hannigan, not winning. Harry Jousey, not winning. Adrian Peterson, not winning. Uh, Jamie Lynn Spears, not winning. Mauricio Omansky, not winning. Matt Walsh, obviously eliminated. Barry Williams, not winning. That's eight. There's only six people I think that even have a chance, and probably, realistically, only four, which is Charity, Ariana, Jason Mraz, and Lele Pons. Maybe Mira Sorvino but probably not. So I think your final two already are going to be Charity and Ariana. 
So, um, I, and I don't think I'm like, wow, look at me going out on a limb here. They were literally the two best scores, but this isn't like regular sports. Immediately, if you're good on night one, that means you're going pretty far. You don't, you know, you aren't a good dancer and have good musicality on night one, and then all of a sudden you just suck in other dances. You might have a, you might struggle a little bit, and some other dances might not seem as fluid because Charity is not going to be the top scorer every single week. She's going to have her struggles on whatever dance comes up that maybe she can't get the footing right or whatever. But we already know Charity, Ariana, Jason Mraz, and Laylee Pons are going far. Period. It's just it's obvious. Because we know how the show works. There are people that just aren't good dancers that are gone. And if they do last, it's because they have a giant fan base. And I just don't see anybody in this that's a bad dancer or really awkward out there that's going to keep them on longer than they should be. Survivor tonight, season 45. This is the first season that they've ever had all 90-minute episodes. They've had episodes in the past that have been 90 minutes long. They've uh, done that a couple times, but it's usually just a one-off. They've never gone into a season and said, hey, every single episode this season is going to be 90 minutes, as this one is. And it's going to be followed by 90 minutes of Amazing Race. Obviously, this was taped back in the spring. Season 45, I don't know any spoilers. I don't want to know any spoilers. As you know, Survivor is my all-time favorite reality show. It'll be a blast to talk about it. Uh, every Thursday where we kind of break stuff down. The first episodes are a little tough because I don't know everybody's name. I don't study them beforehand. I've seen the cast, and I couldn't tell you one person's name just off the top of my head. So I go into it pretty blind outside of reading the initial cast list and then seeing the previews. But I I try and go into it pretty blind, but I'm excited about 90-minute episodes. I'm going to see – really interested to see how they edit this if they're going to just spend more time on strategy, more time on getting to know the contestants, how they're going to do it should be really interesting. So tonight on CBS, it is going to be Survivor, season number 45. Now, I want to talk about what happened with the writer's strike. And the writer's strike is over as of this morning, 12.01 a.m. They've signed it. And there's obviously a lot of stuff in here in regards to, well, what what concessions were made? Did the writers get a better deal? It certainly looks like it. I'm just going to read to you from the Entertainment Weekly article exactly what it was. Obviously, the one thing we talked about when we've talked about this in the past with either guests or I talked about it was the whole streaming issue and residuals from streaming sites who don't release their numbers. Well, according to the article, it said... Another issue on the table was streaming residuals, which had previously been notoriously difficult to come by for writers. Streaming services now must share statistics about streaming data with the WGA and for shows and movies that are viewed by 20% of a streaming services subscribers within 90 days, writers are going to be compensated with significant residual bonuses. Additionally, the new contract increases minimum pay pay rates, improves provisions for health care, expands residual payments for streaming, and ensures longer minimum periods of work for writers in development rooms and post-greenlight rooms. The WGA had also hoped to expand the minimum number of writers in a writer's room to six, plus one more for every two episodes, but conceded to three writer-producers plus an additional two to three writers if the season has seven or more episodes. So that's just some of the things that are happening, but it looks like the writers are being gonna, going to be compensated. I certainly think, I mean, obviously AI was another thing 
they settled something with the whole, you know, everyone saying that AI is going to take over the world and it's all of a sudden they're going to start writing episodes of shows and these writers will be out of business. They've basically said, no, that's not going to happen. We are covering you there. But my biggest thing was the whole streaming issue because, yeah, it was pretty ridiculous that the streaming services did not have to release their numbers. And if you wrote an episode for a very popular show and behind the scenes it was downloaded 500,000 times and yet you didn't even know it was downloaded 500,000 times and you're barely making anything on it, that didn't seem right at all. And it didn't and it wasn't right at all. Now it seems like, okay, they are going to be properly compensated. So that's good uh, for the writer's strike. Uh, glad it's done. Now they got to work on the actors to get them to the table. And once they do that, I think that'll be rectified fairly soon. I don't think that's going to last too much longer, but I'll keep you updated on anything, anything I hear. And obviously any stories that break with this, we'll obviously be talking about it here on the daily roundup. And I just wanted to end with this. I know a lot of you don't appreciate or sometimes get annoyed with the Nick Vial talk on this podcast in particular, along with even even Dave Neal. But I really, really encourage you to go listen to Dave Neal's YouTube video yesterday where he recapped Rachel Recchia on Nick's podcast. And it has nothing to do with the, you know, it, Dave just explains it very, very well. And it's the point that I've tried to make for a while. And I've never really understood this about Nick. I have my own opinions about why I think he does it, but I don't know for sure. And the, just the thing that bothers me the most in regards to Nick is he never has to answer for any of his misdoings, you know? He rarely ever apologizes for anything. And, you know, I sit here and I've taken a lot of heat for stuff that I've written and stuff that I've done in the past, and I have owned up to everything that I've done. And it just, it's really bothersome when Nick has had problematic things said on his podcast time after time after time. I call him out. Dave calls him out. Game of Roses calls him out. She's All Batch calls him out. And he never has to address it because I guess he just looks at it as like, I'm better than everyone else. I get more downloads than anyone else, which he probably does. So I don't need to address these little podcasts coming after me. Well, I think you do because what you're doing is wrong. You know, I just don't see, and this, and this is, Dave talked about it yesterday and I agree with him. And some of you might think this is nitpicky, but you got to understand as independent contact content creators that myself that I am, that Dave is, that She's All Batches, a Game of Roses, all podcasts that I think you've probably listened to and probably enjoy here and there. As independent content creators, it's not easy. We had to build our stuff from the ground up. He had a built-in audience. He went on 1,700 shows. So he already had a built-in audience that was going to listen to what he had to say. Yet this guy has Rachel Recchia on the show yesterday or the day before. And it's just flat out amazing to me that he can't acknowledge where he's getting his info from. He has Rachel there and he says, Tino said recently in an interview, why can't you say Tino said on driving with Dave? You know, and that's what Dave's whole issue is. It's like, all you got to do is throw it in there. All you got to do is say on driving with Dave. But the fact that he is saying this and not crediting where Tino said it, that's obviously a big problem. 
The second thing is, if you watched it, I mean, Dave breaks it down perfectly, and he's literally owning Nick in the process because Nick is sitting there on his podcast saying, well, I heard, I, I heard Tino said this, and I think he said this, and I think this is what he meant was this. And Dave's like, Nick, you got four producers sitting in there. They all have laptops in front of them. Why don't you just play the audio? Because when someone does an interview like Tino did on a Driving with Dave episode this past weekend, and then Nick and Rachel are going to sit there and talk about it, why not actually get the exact thing that Tino said and not paraphrase what he said and not paraphrase to pander to the guest like Nick's producers did? Like, do, do people not see how horribly this is put together, how what bad journalism this is on his part. And I'm not sitting here saying I'm the greatest journalist in the world. I'm not. Dave and I are just trying to do our best. But when we have talked about Nick and I have talked about Nick on this podcast and I have a beef to pick with him, I take the actual audio clip and either play it on this podcast or I read it word for word verbatim of what was said. Here's Nick just going willy-nilly, and he's got four producers or three producers or whatever he does. And he's saying, like, well, Tino said this. Like like I said, I can't stress enough. Go watch Dave's YouTube video yesterday because he's like, Nick, no, that's not what Tino said. Here's what he said. And he plays the exact clip from his Driving with Dave. That's just proper journalism. And I don't understand why Nick can't credit the people where he's actually getting the info from for his interviews to say Tino did an interview recently. Tino did one fucking interview recently and that was Dave's. <laughs> I mean, it was just, we all know what you're talking about. Why can't you credit him? And I, like I said, I think it might be an ego thing. I think it might be an insecurity thing. I don't know what his deal is. We talked about this when Jared Freed was on the podcast that Nick will refuse to have Jared Freed on the show because he knows that Jared Freed's funnier than him and he doesn't want to be outshined. I don't think it's any different here. It is so easy to, one, credit Dave, and two, how about actually doing some work and playing the clips? Is it that hard? to pair? And it was just like they were ripping apart what Tino said on Dave's podcast on Driving with Dave's YouTube video, and yet Dave is like, no, that's not what he said, Nick. This is what he said, and this is the tone in what he said it because also – when you're transcribing something like that, if you're putting a different tone on it than the actual person who did the interview, that comes across differently. It's just totally unprofessional on his part, and yet he'll never do it. He calls She's All Batch and Game of Roses. What what has he referred to them as in the past? Like, um, I don't even want to get the, I don't even want to say the right the wrong wording. Um, but we all know that he has referenced those podcasts never by name, though. Will not say it by name because. I don't know. That's another thing that I think he could actually answer to. Why can't anyone ask Nick and have Nick answer the question? Nick, why can't you ever say the names of Reality Steve, Game of Roses, She's All Batch, or Dave Neal on your podcast? Why can't you give any credit to independent content creators that are doing just as good a job as you are covering this franchise? It's a simple question, and my guess is he'll just avoid it. And that I think that shows way more about him than it does about us. Anyway, go check out Dave Neal's um, YouTube video from yesterday where he breaks down the Nick Vial and Rachel Recchia interview. Thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, 
rate and review if you can. I'd really appreciate it. Sports Daily will be up in an hour from now. Check that out. Hopefully, won't have any internet issues, and this will be up at your normal time today. So thank you again for listening. I really appreciate it, and I will talk to you tomorrow. See you!